Thank you for tuning in to the Asking God Why podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. This podcast approaches the Bible with the question, Why? Let's look at the Bible to answer life's questions. Here is your host, Jameson Stewart. Hello and welcome to Asking God Why. On today's episode, in this episode, we're going to be in the final chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, and we are going to be looking at the resurrection of Jesus. Now, we have this episode, and Lord willing, we'll have one more episode in this season. So I thank you for joining me this far in our study, and I hope you'll finish the study out with me. Today, why is Jesus the Christ? Well, today we're going to be looking at his resurrection. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 through 8, we're going to read this, and we're going, to note, we're going to notice that Jesus foretold his resurrection. Jesus said, look, this is what's going to happen before it really ever happened. The text says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. It's interesting that the angel tells them, go tell his disciples that he's risen and that he's going before you to Galilee. Now, We may remember several chapters ago, all the way back in Matthew 16, Jesus had told his apostles that that this was going to happen. He said in Matthew 16, 21 through 23, the text says, From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So before it ever even happened, Jesus told them exactly what was going to happen to him. However, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. In other words, Peter, you don't understand that this is what has to happen. This is the will of God that I go and die and be resurrected. You go forward a chapter into Matthew 17, verse 22 and 23. So he told them he was going to suffer and die and be raised the third day. It says in verse 22 and 23, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is really what all all of his claims 
for who he is, in this case in the book of Matthew, him being the Christ, him being the Messiah, it rests upon his resurrection. And we noticed from earlier in the book, he actually said, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be raised the third day. And he told his apostles that before any of it ever happened. And now we have read that he has been raised from the dead here in Matthew 28. So Jesus foretold his resurrection. But also, in Matthew 28, verse 9 and 10, Jesus kept his promise to the apostles. It says, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, as these women went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, why, why tell them to go to Galilee? Well, we have to go back a couple chapters into Matthew 26, verse 31 and 32. That actually connects back to a promise that Jesus made to the apostles. While they're there eating that, that last supper together, Jesus tells them in Matthew 26, 31 and 32, Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And that happened. When Jesus was arrested, the apostles scattered. But then Jesus says something right after that in verse 32. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Jesus said, I'm going to, you're going to scatter and run, but I'm going to be raised and I will meet you in Galilee. What has Jesus told, what has the angel told these women, and what has Jesus told these women? Go tell the apostles that I'm going to meet them in Galilee just like I promised them. So we have the resurrection of Jesus here. Jesus foretold his resurrection, and Jesus keeps his promise to his apostles that he's going to be raised and that he will meet them in Galilee. Now, it's interesting as you go forward in Matthew 28, and at this point, it probably doesn't surprise us, but in Matthew 28, 11 through 15, we read about the, the chief priests and the elders of the people, the very ones who really were pushing for the, res the crucifixion of Christ, they lie about the resurrection of Jesus. The text says, now while they were going, behold, some of the guards, some of the guard that had been stationed at the tomb of Jesus, came into the city and reported to the chief priest all the things that had happened. Uh, they, they were reporting, look, something incredible happened. Now, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. They lied. And in fact, they bribed the guard to lie about it. And then they told the guard, if, if the governor hears, in this case it'd be Pilate, if Pilate hears that we bribed you, which Roman soldiers were not supposed to accept these bribes, 
If the if Pilate, if the governor hears that we've bribed you, then we will appease him. We will then bribe him and make you secure. So basically, these soldiers, it's, look, we're going to pay you. We're going to bribe you to tell this lie. And if the governor hears about it, then we'll bribe him make, to make sure that, that you are secure. We'll protect you. And so that saying, what saying? The saying that the disciples came at night and stole away the body while the soldiers slept was reported to this day. There's a problem, and this has always been brought up is if the soldiers think about this lie, there's a big problem with their lie. If they were asleep, which is what they said, this lie was, we were sleeping and the disciples came and stole away the body. If you were asleep, how do you know what happened? If all the soldiers are asleep, how in the world do you know what happened to the body? You're saying, you know the disciples came and stole away the body while we slept. Wait, you were asleep. You, you are not a witness to this crime at all. Okay, where's the evidence that it was the disciples? Well, there is no evidence. So all it is is the word of these soldiers. The disciples stole the body while we slept, and yet they are not eyewitnesses to what they're claiming to, to have seen. So even in this lie... There is an inconsistency that would not stand up in court. Think about it. Uh, if someone broke into your, say, uh, say you woke up one morning and there was something from your house that was missing, and, and maybe, and you knew, um, and you just knew, you thought it was your neighbor across the street. So you go before the judge and you say, uh, my neighbor across the street came in and stole my computer while I slept. Okay, the judge would say is, how do you know it was your neighbor? You were asleep. You're not an eyewitness to this. Okay, does your neighbor have your laptop? Well, no. So there's no evidence at all for what you're claiming here do the disciples have the body? Well, find the body. Well, no one can find the body of Jesus. In fact, We'll read later on that actually a lot of people, over 400 people, saw Jesus alive. The disciples don't have the body. No one can find the body of Jesus, and the soldiers were asleep. So they can't, they're not reliable eyewitnesses to this, to this supposed crime that occurred that they're lying about. So basically, the point is this. This is a lie that just some casual observation would tell us this lie would not stand up to close scrutiny as most lies uh, fall into that same category. So the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus foretold his resurrection. He kept his promise to his apostles. And then the chief priest to try and, and I guess, keep a keep a lid on what's happening, they lie about his resurrection. They tell the guard and the soldiers to also lie about Jesus' resurrection. And then at the end of the book of Matthew, in the final few verses, verse 16 through verse 20, Jesus gives his disciples their, their marching orders, so to speak. And so it's, the text says, the 11, the, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. 
They're going to the place where Jesus promised to meet them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And amen. Jesus gives his disciples their their marching orders here, so to speak. Uh, He tells them that now that all this has happened, he, he is the one who has been given all power or, or all authority. And in light of the fact that he has all authority, he says, because I have this authority, the command I'm about to give you is based upon my authority, that I have all authority. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Well, how do you do that? Well, the process that that making someone a disciple begins by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our walk with God, our, our journey as a disciple of Jesus Christ begins at the moment we are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It begins at that point, and then the rest of our life as a disciple of Jesus Christ is spent learning and growing in our understanding and knowledge, observing all things that Jesus has commanded us, and then trusting as we go through this life as a disciple of Jesus Christ that he is always with us. And so as we think about the resurrection of Jesus, we think about the close of this chapter, the resurrection of Jesus is what Christianity is based upon. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians 15, and he made that point. Is basically, if Jesus is not raised from the dead, then the Christian way of life, the faith, it is utterly meaningless and pointless. There is no reason whatsoever to live the Christian life if Jesus Christ is not raised from the dead. Paul makes that very point in 1 Corinthians 15. I know, and I've heard people say before, well, you know, even if none of this were true, the Christian way of living is still the best way of living, you know, because of how moral it is. And I get that, but that's not what Paul said. And if we think that way, we are missing the point of what the Christian life is all about. Because Jesus Jesus has been raised from the dead, and because of that, then, he has been given all authority. Because he's been given all authority, which is founded upon his resurrection from the dead, we then must obey him. In other words, Jesus does not have the authority to command anyone if he has not been raised from the dead. But what we have seen is that he has. And so, all people ourselves included, must submit to his authority. So as we think about these things and as we've studied this, I I appreciate your good attention today. Lord willing, we will have one more episode 
uh, in this season, and I'm looking forward to that. I hope you'll join me for that. I thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you'll check out some of the other podcasts on the Scattered Abroad Network and and, and tell us what you think. Uh, give us a share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with someone that you work with. Thank you so much for studying. May God bless you, and as always, stay curious. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.